The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. This is a very significant night. I told our folks this morning at Bethlehem that it's biblical and it's God-honoring to celebrate wonderful and momentous occasions. <clears throat> we celebrate the victory of God here tonight. Uh, I had a, a desire to look back in the past just a little bit uh, in preparation for tonight, and I didn't have my materials that I needed to access to look at that, and so I drove down to my office this afternoon, and I looked back 10 years ago. I keep a ledger of of the events and also of uh, times that we worship. I just keep a little record of that and things that were talked about or preached about and so forth. And uh, it, was, it was June the 5th of 10 years ago, and I went and looked at my ledger, and I could tell that for that year, from June the 5th until the end of the year, it looks like that Zion Church met about 11 times, and that was mostly on second and uh, or mostly on two Sunday nights a month. I also know that it was um, significant because we, it was the night after we'd had our music festival, our annual music festival over at uh, uh, the schoolhouse, which we just had last night, and it was a great blessing. And then Brother Chris was ordained uh, in March of 2012. So the Lord really put Zion Church on a fast track, and that was a great blessing. And to think of, of just looking back, you think of how it, it looks like the church itself was just hanging by a thread. <laughs> But I can tell you that it was the scarlet thread by which it hung. You think about a church meeting 11 times in one year and then look at where you are today. And look at the physical location that you're in today. We were over there and tonight we're over here. It's amazing. It's very God-honoring to recount those victories as long as we're recounting them for the glory of God. Because no man, woman, or child can take the glory away from God. It's His work it's his honor at stake it's his reputation it's not mine and it's his glory whenever things such as this happen i would like to speak to you tonight from nehemiah the fourth chapter and as you're turning there to nehemiah the fourth chapter i just would give you some context nehemiah the fourth chapter is in the time period in which many of the children of israel had traveled eight or nine hundred miles back from Babylon from captivity under the direction and order of the pagan king to go back to the to the homeland and rebuild the walls there. Brother Chris preached some wonderful sermons about the book of Nehemiah early on whenever uh, he was called here and began to preach and labor and serve here. I remember some of those sermons because it was very pointed and, and uh, applicable to what was going on here at Zion because you were building. You were not building necessarily physically at that time like a, a building, but you were building spiritually. And some of you sitting here today that may not have been here are results of that spiritual building. So in Nehemiah the fourth chapter, we jump right into what's happening and what's going on here is the children of Israel under the direction of the, the great engineer Nehemiah, who was under the direction of the, the great eternal engineer, the Lord, Nehemiah is orchestrating the rebuilding of the walls and is stirring up some issues. We're going to begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 4. The title of the message tonight is, There is Much Rubbish. That's the title of the message. 
And if you don't know what rubbish is, that's an English word for trash. <laughs> and it makes me appreciate the King James translation so much because it's got such classy language in it. <laughs> there's much trash. doesn't sound as good as there's much rubbish. <laughs> Which proves that the King James translation is miles beyond any translation out there. It's so elegant and classy, poetic. Nehemiah 4 and verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. A fox was not prone to go jumping up on stone walls. <laughs> Matter of fact, they'd be scurrying away and hiding. He said that one of the weakest animals out there, one of the scaredest animals out there, could jump on their wall and knock it down. Hear, O our God, Nehemiah says, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Listen to the language now. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem. And to hinder it, a lot of political turmoil was being stirred up because of what was going on here under the direction of the great eternal engineer, the Lord. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Now watch this in verse 10. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, debris, or trash, so that we are not able to build the wall. The title of the message, as I said, is There's Much Rubbish. I want to speak directly to one of the primary, primary uh, goals and directives of the ministry. And it has to do with addressing the rubbish <laughs> that affects the house of God. Here, get the clear picture that physically these men, these builders, which were families, by the way, building on the wall, these men were not able to continue their work because the, the piles of debris. Some of you have built houses. Some of you have done that yourself. You've hired contractors. I remember when our house was being built and the contractor had a little place where he would take the rubbish, he would take the debris, and he would normally burn it, make a pile and just burn it because the debris would be so much that you just couldn't even get to the work that you needed to do. And if you can imagine a place that had been laying waste for 70 years, and by the way, they were using pieces of, of what was left there that had been torn down. They would take some of the old blocks and some of the old stones that had been torn down uh, of the old wall, and they would use that to set them back in place and build the wall. But there was so much debris and so much trash and rubble that they were having a hard time actually doing their work. Maybe some of you men and some of you ladies have worked on a car or something 
and you tried to get to something, you, you, just, you were constricted, and you just couldn't get to where you needed to get, especially in these newfangled cars. Everything is really hard to reach. you got to have a computer to do all this stuff. But in the old days, you know, you could reach up there and, uh, and, and take off the uh, oil filter, maybe change the oil, and we had this little device that you could use to turn it, and I used to hate the cars where you couldn't even get that device up in there and turn it. You see, there was debris where they couldn't even work to build the wall. Did you, know that, did you know that the debris in the house of God, the rubbish, uh, that dust or trash or whatever it is that we all have, it never, it will, it will never praise the Lord. Amen. Psalms 30 and 9 says, What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise thee? That's the same word, dust, for rubbish. And it, it literally means uh, something that's been pulverized down into just dust until it's just in the way. He says, shall the dust praise thee? Shall the rubbish praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Absolutely not. (laughs) But God is so good. And how we handle the disposing of the rubbish can honor and praise the the Lord. I want you to notice for the opposition here of what these opponents of the building of the wall were saying. They basically said in verse 2, what what are they doing? What are those Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they build up themselves as if they were going to create an army of themselves? Will they sacrifice? That means to worship their God. Will they make an end in a day as if to say, there's so much to do, there's no way they'll ever finish it. And then you notice in that verse 2, the last line says, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish? You understand what they were saying there? They knew that down in that rubbish and in that trash and in that debris lay the stones that originally made up the wall of Jerusalem. Will they clear off enough of the trash and the debris to where they can actually get to the stone, something that they can use to build the wall? Are these not lessons for us today? Because the trash just gets in the way, doesn't it? I have a little running joke at my office. Uh, Brother McNeil who began working for us a couple of weeks ago for the summer uh, he, he was exposed to that little, little joke, and I just refuse, I refuse to let the secretaries, the ladies, take out the trash if I'm there. I'm just not going to let it happen. I've seen them walking out with it. I say, whoa, stop. I just don't think that's their job. Now, I know I'm not so naive, but I know that when I'm not there, I'm sure they carry the trash out because it's always clean and nice. But I just, I just it just galls me. For somebody else to take out the trash whenever I'm around. But that is one of the most <laughs> one of the most dirty jobs that you can imagine is to take the trash out, isn't it? You see, that's part of a big part of the ministry. Yeah. I've joked and said for years that the minister's very much just like a trash man, you know, just a just a garbage man that everybody just comes and dumps their garbage on. And if if there's a someone under the sound of my voice that feels a burden to the ministry or looks forward well maybe the Lord might call you one day or the Lord might you might be thinking well the Lord may be calling me you better be prepared because it's like being a garbage man because the garbage the rubbish gets dumped on you and it's not at times opportune times when you you say well I'll just I'll just deal with like we do we deal with the trash every Monday morning pretty much sometimes on Sunday night because they pick up the trash on Monday I've got that set time and we'll deal with the trash brother brother Ash and I handle the trash around the house we try to I know sometimes my sweet girls have to do some things because of our failures from time to time, mostly my failures. But my goal is to be the trash man. 
the debris man, the, the rubbish man. And I take, this is not the right word, but I take great pride in that. I don't want anybody else doing it. You see, that's what the ministry, a great part of what the ministry is like. So you can't pick the times in which the rubbish is going to just appear all of a sudden. Because we all have it. If you think that the ministry, well, they don't, the ministry doesn't have it. Yes, it does. <laughs> and if the ministry is not uh, acutely aware of the rubbish that's in the minister's own life, then there's no way that he can be your trash man. <laughs> so let's talk about types of rubbish. Because you see here, this is one of those situations where there was, there was an outside influence talking about We've got to stop this building of the wall. We don't want to see these Jews continuing to build the wall. And we all like to beat up straw men, don't we? Boy, we beat up politicians. Man, if he was here, I'd tell him off. If she was here, I'd tell her what's what. And, and what about, you know, doctrinal straw men? You know, there, there's this false teaching over here, so, you know, I'll just build me up a straw man and I'll just punch it to death. You know, a few, a few times I built up some straw men and, and beat them to death and just, just I, you know, straw man never fights back. <laughs> And then maybe later I'd get in a conversation with somebody who, who had maybe continued to believe what I was preaching against and built up the straw man, and, and we would get in a conversation. I'd say, well, what about this and what about that? And the, and the person would be like, well, we don't even believe that. <laughs> and I'm like, you mean I built up that straw man and, and just beat the stew out of him, and you don't even believe that? <laughs> we like straw men, though, because they don't fight back. I don't want to talk to you about some straw man that's out there. I want to talk to you about the real rubbish. I've been in the ministry long enough now, and even before, even before this time, I could, I could have said this years ago, but I could for sure say it now, that the worst enemy, the worst enemy that the primitive Baptist church faces is the primitive Baptist. That's a fact. You can live it and learn it, or you can just go ahead and believe me because it's the truth. There's nobody down in Gordo, Alabama that I know of that is tonight working against trying to keep this church from preventing, from growing. Or there's no, church, there's no group over in Northport, Alabama, or Gordo, or Tuscaloosa that's working on trying to prevent Bethlehem Church from growing. You know, they just, there's no sand ballot like that. There's no Tobias. There's nobody like that out there that's, that's saying, what can we do? You know, let's attack and let's get them. Now, that may happen one day. It happened in these days when they were trying to build the walls back. But I don't want to build a straw man for you and just punch him to death. Because the worst enemy that we face, the worst source, the primary source of rubbish is what comes from our own lives. Life the drama of life, the distractions that are out there. How many of you over the last year and a half have just been consumed with what the squawk box on TV or the little thing that pops up on your phone that gives you the update, maybe the statistics, maybe gives you the new political scenery, which is always gloom and doom. You see, those are, that's, listen, listen to me very carefully now. I'm not saying that rubbish is not important. Because it's going to be there. And I'm not saying, well, well, Brother Tim said none of my trash is important. None of the drama that I deal with is important. I'm not saying that because how we handle it can be very God-honoring. But there's a lot of rubbish out there. How much effect, listen to me carefully, what, what current present effect does the political scene in America have on what you do here in this community in the next year or 10 years? Nothing absolutely nothing 
But how much time do we waste, myself included, thinking about those things? Things that are beyond our control. Things that we cannot handle and cannot do ourselves. And, and it's nothing but rubbish whenever it comes to what we're doing here in our communities. How many distractions are out there? I, I may be stepping on some toes. If I'm stepping on toes, I like what Elder Luke Laird said, you know, I'm aiming for your heart. <laughs> but what about the sports world or the entertainment world or uh, the blogging world or the internet world or the Facebook world or all these things that are out there that are so consuming and you see somebody post something, it just makes you so mad. <laughs> but we ought to be very careful about what we do post. That's why I don't hardly post anything. Because sometimes I've looked and I think, I need to respond to that. I ought to respond to that. I, I, would, be, I would be a full-time poster and in the poorhouse if I, if I spent my time responding to the foolishness that goes on places like Facebook and Twitter and the other things like that. Right. I don't have time for it. There's a greater thing for us to be doing than, than just engaging in that type of drama. See? How much? So listen to me carefully now. I'm not saying politics is not important. You need to vote. You need to, you need to vote according to not some political party. You need to vote according to what the Word of God says. And there may come a time when you just flat out just can't vote. That could very soon come. I've thought about a situation where you got somebody uh, where, where maybe the, the, the pro-life stance, where I, I, I don't care what persuasion they are. I don't care if they're, there are a few, few pro-life Democrats. I don't care if you're talking about Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Red Party, Blue Party, whatever. If the person's pro-life and they're the only choice that we have, that's what I'm going with. Because the Word of God is pro-life. It's not about a political party. It's about the Word of God. You see? And there may come a time when nobody is pro-life. That's going to be tough. I, I dare say that time will come. That time will come. But Brother Tim's going to always be pro-life. Even if I have to protest by not voting, I'm going to be for those babies because God is for those babies. That is a death knell when it comes to politics. But if you let yourself become consumed in all those things, guess what? You're dealing with the rubbish. You're going to get consumed by the trash of this world. And what is that stuff going to, what kind of impact is that stuff going to have on what you do tomorrow in this community? Because I'm telling you, as you're sitting here today, something happened in your community, or communities, depending on where you're from, something happened where you are in order to get you here today. And it certainly wasn't Fox or CNN or MSNBC. You didn't look on there and say, oh, Brother Chris, Brother Tim, they're meeting down at Zion. I think I'll go over there. No, that didn't happen. Didn't happen. So when we consider the source of the rubbish, I like to look back to that great prophet, Walt Kelly, the cartoonist from the 1940s and 50s who wrote Pogo. Remember Pogo? Yeah. <laughs> Pogo said, and it was, it was, he used, he coined the phrase, he didn't coin the phrase, he used the phrase from something that occurred in history about 100 years before, but Pogo said, we have met the enemy and it is us. <laughs> but we like to beat up those straw men, don't we? You realize, you realize that me standing here before you, I am the greatest enemy. You, yourself sitting there, you're the greatest enemy of the kingdom of God right now. Yes. Right. That takes some humble pie to admit that, doesn't it? Yeah. 
What I do tomorrow, what I do Tuesday, what I do the next few days. You know, I like what one of the, my dear friend preachers said. You know, a, the true measure of a pastor is found not in how he preaches on Sunday morning, but it's found in what he's doing on Tuesday. Amen. Tuesday is the test of a true pastor. Do you know that? Because it's nice to dress up and put a tie on. And, and this, I've said for years, this is the icing on the cake right here, getting to preach to the congregation. This isn't, in, in a sense, taking out the trash, you know. But what goes on on Tuesday is a different story. Got some, that's when trash pickup is due. Actually, it's ours Monday. But you understand? We have met the enemy, and it is us. I want you to notice what he says in verse 11 and 12 here, too. It says, As they continued to build, and after Judah had said, The strength of the bearers of burden is decayed, it says, Our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. You see, the enemies knew that there were trash heaps. And so the enemy says, we'll just sneak in among the rubbish. Is that not where the, is that not where the trouble comes from? It sneaks in among the rubbish. Now, I'm not saying that it's not important, and I'm not saying, well, wouldn't it be great if we just didn't have any rubbish, if we just didn't have any trash? I've joked and said, you know, around my house, we're some of the trashiest people you've ever known. We take out hundreds and hundreds of bags of trash per year. I, and I'm kind of freaky about that, you know. When I look in there, and we got a double trash bag thing there at the house, double trash cans. And if I see there's a little bit in the other one, I don't care what's in there. I'll get it out and put it in the one that's almost full and save that other one. Ten minutes later, I come back, the other one's full too. <laughs> we are trashy people. We're trashy sinners. We're, we're sinners filled with rubbish. We have debris. We have things that explode. We have things that blow up. We have things that don't go our way. So taking out the rubbish, dealing with that, is something that's very important. Did you know the primary thing that God has given the church of God in order to deal with the rubbish that comes up in our lives? It's the gift of the ministry. He says he has given gifts unto, unto men. He says that in Ephesians 4. For the perfecting of the saints, to mature the saints, to help them deal with the debris and the chaos and the trash and the, and the rubbish that comes up in our lives. You know, it'd be great if we had one of the, I always liked those trash compactors that people had in their houses. You know, you could, I mean, I've often wondered, what could you put in there that it, that it wouldn't handle? You know, you could put it down the sink and it'll just, you know, just eat it up. But I, I, it would be nice if it was that way for the ministry and for the things that we all deal with. Just throw it in there and just grind it up into a little bitty box, you know, just throw it out. That'd be great. That's not the way it works. The way it works is the way uh, that Mama did with me one afternoon whenever I was pushing up some rubbish with, with the big 40-30 tractor. She had finally allowed me to go through some of the stuff out there in the barn, the little car house behind the house, and I had a pile of it, and I had a burn pile. I love disposing of trash and rubbish, just making place look good. Brother Mackey likes that too now. And so I had everything piled up in that big bucket on the 40-30 and here I go, I gas it, and I'm fixing to push just this pile of mess over there. You know, it's this huge pile, you know, like a, like a trash compactor. Didn't even sort, I'd already sorted through it, I thought. So here I go, and I'm pushing just as fast as I can. Mama ran in front of me and said, stop, stop, stop. Slammed on the brakes. What? I mean, I'd run over a child? The way she acted, it was like I'd run over a child or something. And so I, she disappears in front of the bucket for a minute. You know, there's digging, 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 digging. I'm like, what has she found? I mean, she found a piece of gold, a, you know, a silver nickel. I mean, what's going on? And she raises up this little matchbox car. She says, this was Chris's. We can't throw that in the trash. 
You know, it'd be nice if we could just all put, it, put it all together and just push it up and burn it and be done with it. But it doesn't work like that, does it? We've got to sort through that trash, don't we? It'd be nice if it was just a great big trash compactor. But the gift of the ministry is given so that you can sort through your trash, your debris, your rubbish. Anybody ever lose a retainer when they were in high school? I did. That was awful. That was one day right there that may have, could have possibly turned me forever against being a trash man. I lost a retainer down there at school, and we pulled out 50 bags of trash from, what, 150, 200 kids, and that was in the afternoon, so you'd have breakfast and lunch and snacks and, and, and all of this and all stuff in between. It was nasty. We found the retainer. We found it, but it was, we had to sort through and pick and pick, and it's a little bitty thing. And then to think about putting it back in your mouth. <laughs> That's horrible, isn't it? I, I trust and believe my parents probably scoured it, you know, with alcohol or something, you know. But that's the way, it, that's what it's like. You, know, you can't set a day and just say, I'm going to take out the trash on this day. You know, get a booth set up that says trash day. Brother Chris sitting behind the booth and say, bring your trash on. We'll deal with it all. We'll be done with it. It doesn't work that way. And then whenever you get to where you're dealing with it, it's not, I'll just throw it away. You can get rid of that. You can't get rid of those feelings and you can't get rid of that hurt and you can't get rid of it. You can't just purge that from yourself. you got to have a way to sort through it. Amen. And God has given the ministry for that. I'll never forget when I was in seventh grade in high school, Ms. Walton Russell was one of the best teachers that I ever had. She was a history teacher. And I don't remember if it's the first day, but it was some point during that, that year. She walks in for class, and she's got a trash bag. And she takes the trash bag, walks up in front of all the students, and she just whoop, just dumped it out. And I thought, well, this is going to be an interesting day. Probably, I'll probably have to clean it up. But anyway, and so what she'd done, she had put together, uh, actually kind of sorted some trash together and was making the point about how these archaeologists and others would find the trash of people like the Indians and from historical sites and over in Rome and wherever it may be, places they would dig, and they would go through the trash, and they would figure out things about the people. And so that was, that, that's I'm still with me today. I'm 50 years old, and it's still with me today. And we sorted through the trash. You know, now, based on this trash, what do you think these people were drinking? Based on this trash, what do you think they were eating? Based on this trash and the stuff they were throwing away, <laughs> you know, what was going on in their lives? You can learn a lot from people's trash. You better hope and pray that you have a minister of the gospel that stands before you and labors among you that understands that as a, that's part of his role. I believe you do. I thank God for Brother Chris. I've seen what he does on Tuesdays. You see, that's just life. Life has got the trash that comes at us. How we deal with it is what can be honoring to God. And you can tell a lot about people's debris. The kind of stuff that I, I remember the first few years in the ministry, I thought to myself, it's got to get easier than this. <laughs> because there was some stuff coming at me, and I knew it was from the devil. But there was some stuff coming at me, and I was like, what happened? Are you kidding me? I, this is, has this ever happened in the history of the universe? <laughs> and I know it was the devil just trying to throw me off and say, give up, quit. <laughs> we just kept digging in that trash. Just kept digging in it. Got a little dirty with it. You get a little dirty when you dig in the trash, don't you? Listen, you say, well, it's Old Testament, Brother Tim. There's no precedent in the New Testament about this, about taking out the trash, purging the rubbish. Have you ever read 2 Timothy 2 and 20? 
You ever read 2 Timothy 2 and 20 where it says this? The Apostle Paul says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Now watch this. He says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Did you notice that it, that's one of those situations where we would often read that quickly and we'd say, Yeah, you know, if brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so were here to hear that message and they could get their life straight and they could fix things it doesn't say that it says if a man it says if you individually if me individually if I will take it upon myself to purge myself from these things this wood this hay this stubble this earth by the way that's that's what dust means that's what rubbish means earth it's it's translated elsewhere as earth <laughs> and those things will never praise God purge ourselves from those things I tell you the future of the church hangs on how we purge ourselves from those things. Now I know the future of the church hangs on the one that's the King of kings and Lord of lords. But our King of kings and Lord of lords, He works through people. <laughs> you know, I wasn't just sitting back at the house one day and, and all of a sudden a sign appeared and said, Go to Zion Church this Sunday night. <laughs> you know, what? Okay, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? No, the Lord works through people. The, the Lord works through the, your, in your life. The Lord works through how you work out the rubbish in your life. And some people carry their rubbish. It's, it's almost like if you, could, if you could visualize somebody, you know, how much rubbish are they carrying around? If you really had a bag to put it in, I mean, some of them would look like just a giant Santa Claus bag with stuff they're carrying around, just this trash they're carrying around and won't purge it from themselves. Oh, children. Children of God, I'm here to tell you about the great rubbish dealer. That's Christ himself. The great trash compactor Christ where it says in 2 Corinthians that he was made to be sin. He took our rubbish upon him. He understands what we deal with in this life. He was made to be sin who knew no sin. You want to know what the rubbish is? It's those Feelings that, won't be, that we won't allow ourselves to purge and to take out because somebody offended us or somebody hurt us. Oh, child of grace, listen, there's a way to take that kind of trash out. There's a way to deal with that rubbish. There's a way to clear it out. Ephesians, the fourth chapter and the 30th verse, it tells us that the Lord is not pleased when we hold on to that kind of rubbish. He says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The Lord has sealed you with His Holy Spirit, and He is grieved in His heart. The Lord is grieved in His heart when we hold on to rubbish like bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Let those things be put away from you with malice. Put those things away. It's nothing but rubbish. And be ye kind one to another. You see, that is the great trash compactor right there. Kindness of God. God towards us. He says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. You say, well, Brother Tim, this person's just done too much to me. They've gone too far and stayed too long and hurt me too much. Well, let me ask you this. Aren't you glad that Jesus wasn't that way? Because it says that even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. God hasn't forgiven you for your sake. God hasn't forgiven you because you finally got right with Him. No, God has forgiven you for Christ's sake. You have no option whatsoever other than to forgive that person. Do you know what blessings you're missing because you don't forgive that person? 
to lay your head on their shoulder and to weep into their, into their arms and say, forgive me, I've offended you, I, I forgive you, I love you for Christ's sake. I tell you, that's a glorious thing. I've experienced that myself. There's nothing like it. If a husband or a wife can't latch onto that, then it's going to be a rocky road in the marriage. You can forgive. You can forgive. It's the kindness of God that is the great trash compactor. He took all of your sins. He took it upon Himself. And He purged it. He put it away. You know, I love the imagery that's given there when Christ cries out on the cross and He says, uh, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. You know, that moment He had taken our sins upon Him and when He dismissed His Spirit from His body, guess what? He didn't dismiss the sins. They were trapped. They were kept there. And when He dismissed the this, this Spirit from His body, the sins stayed on Him and in Him and with the death of Christ, so your sins died. If that's not a model for us to forgive one another, I don't know what is. Where will the church be in the next 10 years? I tell you, it can only go forward with the, the effective way of dealing with our rubbish. <laughs> if we let our rubbish get in the way, then Satan creeps in and we have sneak attacks all the time. <laughs> so I say to you as we close, as the enemies of the builders of the wall said. I'm not an enemy of the builders of the wall. I want to build the wall. I want to build the church of God. It's amazing to see how God has built this church. I want to see it continue to build. I want to see Bethlehem continue to build. I want to see other churches branch off from, from Bethlehem. I've been praying for that for years. Almost happened one time. You might say, in a sense, Zion is sort of like that. And it almost happened again another time. I pray God would bless us to have splinter churches. And I don't mean splitting churches. I mean splinter churches that have split off because you got so many people here and they come from these different areas. Start churches in those areas. It's not going to happen with piles of rubbish laying around. It's going to happen by moving forward in kindness. The enemies of the church of God said, what are they doing? I'm a friend I trust and pray. I'm a friend of the church. I want to be a friend of the church of God. So I say, what are you doing? Will you fortify yourself? Will you? Will you sacrifice? Will you make an end in a day? Will you revive the stones out of the heaps of your rubbish? How you deal with that rubbish has a great impact on how the church moves forward. Will you depend on the minister of the gospel that God has given you to help you deal with that rubbish? That's what they did in the days of Nehemiah. I like what Judah said back over in Nehemiah. It says that Judah said this. <laughs> Verse 10 of Nehemiah 4. The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. <laughs> Y'all know as Brother Chris and I are here before you tonight, you can look at him and tell he's decaying right now. <laughs> You can look at me and, and see I'm decaying. It's not just him. We're decaying. We're getting older. Somebody says, what's that little white out there on the front of your hair, Brother Tim? It's gray. <laughs> I'm proud of it. I'm not ashamed of it. Somebody said, you need to put some Grecian formula on that. No, I'm not. I want it to be seen. <laughs> it's a testimony to where I am today. But the strength, my strength as I stand before you, it's decaying. It's decaying. 
I'm not ready to quit. I'm not ready to give up. I never want to quit. I never want to give up. I'd love to die preaching sometime. <laughs> but more likely, I'd probably die taking some trash out. But anyway, <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? There may be a young man under the sound of my voice this, this night listening and thinking about that. There's going to come a time when the mantle will pass to another person, another man. The strength of the bearers of burden, it, it decays. It, the, the minister of the gospel gets older. Brother Chris won't always be here. He hasn't always been here. I won't always be here. And may God bless us to see one who would come up and take our places who would be interested in dealing with the rubbish of God's children. That's the only way it works. There might be a young man under the sound of my voice here tonight that the Lord leads to do that. It'll have to be the Lord Amen. in order to be. It can't be mama. <laughs> it can't be a mama call. Well, I just think my son would be a perfect fit for that church. You better watch out. <laughs> or a daddy call. It's got to be a God call. Nehemiah was called to this work. Nehemiah was burdened of the Lord of this work. And Nehemiah did it effectively because he learned how to deal with the rubbish. <laughs> now, as we close, what was really pressing them? You know, they felt pressed. It, was it the political climate? Oh, if we don't get this wall built, this army that Sanballat's talked about is going to show up and it's going to prevent us. No, mm -mm. They went on building in spite of the political climate. Will you? They're going to pass a law, you know, to where we can't build anymore. They did that for a while. They kept on building. What was really pressing them? Hang with me for just a minute. What was really pressing them? What was the urgency of why they needed to get that wall built? Was it just because they were afraid and they needed protection? I tell you it was more than that. What was pressing them? I'm telling you what was pressing them and why they learned to deal with the rubbish and get it out of the way and continue to build. And by families they built. He set them on the wall by families. And they were having a tool in one hand and their swords girt around them. So they were ready for an attack and they were continuing to build. What was the urgency? Was it just the political climate was fixing to shift and the winds were going to change? I'm telling you the political climate has shifted and it is going to change. And there will come days of persecution and there will come times whenever you can't do such as this in the open. It will happen. It's, the Lord has said it will happen before he returns. So what was really pressing them? I tell you every stone that they laid. I tell you every bit of mortar that they put in there. I tell you every bit of what they did somewhere in the back of their minds. They were thinking of a promise. They were thinking of something that foretold that there would be one that would come one day and walk the streets of Jerusalem. One who would come there and walk in the gates of Jerusalem that were completely devastated, completely torn down. There would be the Son of God who would come there one day and He would walk in those streets and He would enter those gates and He would walk around that wall. And don't you know He would look and He would see, look at these stones that were laid here. These men built this hundreds of years before the Lord came and they had an urgency because they knew the King was coming. Do you feel that urgency, child of grace? You say, well, I've got this rubbish and I've got to deal with this. The, the, the urgency for dealing with the rubbish, the urgency for how you process that and how you deal with that is because the king is coming. He may come today. He may come tomorrow. He may come at ten lifetimes from now. But I tell you, the strength of the bearers of burden from generation to generation may decay, but the Lord's strength and the Lord's promise never decays. And he will continue to raise up men who will build the wall. Men and women and children who will build the wall. And they'll have to deal with the rubbish. And how we deal with it. It all has to do with whether or not we're going to give God glory with how we deal with it. Because it's always going to be there.
I tell you, as they built that wall, I can just see Nehemiah, that great engineer, building and thinking in his mind, we've got to stick with it. We've got to stay with it. He could be here tomorrow. He didn't know. He might come next week. He might come in a year. He, it was about three or 400 years before he came, but he kept building. And that is the mentality that we ought to have. Keep dealing with purging the rubbish. Those things that are superfluous and those things that can destroy and rip apart churches if they're not properly dealt with. Using the ministry as God intended, as the gift of the ministry to perfect and mature the saints. And the kingdom of God goes forward and the wall continues to be built. I love this old hymn. In the harvest field now ripen, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the master's voice is calling to the harvest, calling you. Does the place you're called to labor and does seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it, for he will not forsake his own. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There is joy and you can feel it if you go in Jesus' name. The strength of the bearers of burden will continue to decay. And there will all be, always be rubbish or debris. It's a question of how we deal with it. It's a question of how we go forward. Your presence here tonight, 10 years after this work began, is a testimony that you've been dealing with it in a God-honoring way. And I hope what I've shared with you here tonight would encourage you to continue dealing with it in a way that honors our Lord because He is worthy. May the Lord bless you. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.